Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and Jay. Hi. Are you really here with us, though? You're not here is, with is, us. Is I'm, not, I'm not physically there with you who are physically there with each other. Yeah, we're in uh, Studio De La Fifth Trooper over here at the, at the Shalansky compound. Yeah, it, it really is a compound. There's there's <laughs> chicken, chickens outside. <laughs> <laughs> we got chickens running around. We got kids running around. We got all kinds of crazy stuff think, going on. I think usually they call it a farm compound. Kind of brings like a like a you know. Yeah, no, I like the compound know, cultish, thing. Cultish uh, yeah. feel. No, that's yeah. kind of how it feels. Yes, compound. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I offered him some Kool Aid earlier. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's fences you can't see over. Yeah. And... <laughs> I see. You don't yeah. really know where you are on a map. Yeah. It's kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, that is very exciting that you two are there together. Um, Good job, Kyle. Moving the podcast along. Keep yeah, going, buddy. I mean, somebody has to, you know? Yeah. There you go. Uh, before we get to our topics for the day, do you have any housekeeping? Yeah, we do. Uh, so we have been working on a very special project that we actually just disclosed on our Patreon uh, Patreon podcast. So this is kind of, I think we mentioned this last week, you know, if you subscribe to Patreon, that we we tell you behind the scenes stuff and and new things coming up months before they come up. And that was one of the things. Right, Mike? Yeah, that may or may not be why Jay and I are in the same building presently. <laughs> yeah. Um, because we're just kind of working on some finishing touches. So if you're interested in that, you know, make sure that you check out our Patreon After Dark podcast where we kind of give people a little bit of lowdown ahead yeah. of time. You can get it for any dollar amount Patreon subscription. So so if you just give us a dollar a month, you can listen to the After Dark episodes. Not only do you get teases about what's coming up? Kyle's not there. Number two, number three. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'd like as long as we're as long as we're on that. Um, can we talk about how when we record after dark, we don't have to wait ten minutes for Kyle to finish eating his ice cream, his Wheaties? <laughs> it was very crunchy. I didn't want to be talking with all these chocolate chips in my mouth. Okay. All right. yeah. Uh, but we usually we also, BS for like 20 minutes before the cast anyway. So. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That was kind of like that, except for real crunchy. Uh, so <laughs> so we, we, we discuss behind the scenes stuff that we're working on. We, we talk about, you know, Mike and I did some theory crafting list building a couple episodes again. We'll probably do that again. We had uh, Bushman on the other day and we were talking about events and like what to expect at events. So there's a lot of stuff. Uh, that you can get that sometimes we don't get to on on either of the two public casts. So highly recommend supporting us. And and you know, like when Mike comes over and I got to get a microphone out for him, uh, our Patreon members help support uh, that stuff. And and like when events come up again, like Adepticon and stuff, and where they're streaming, it's it's because of our Patreon supporters. So so you know if you want to see great content continue to happen from us that's that's how you do it you help you support us on patreon we really appreciate it awesome yes please do that's also the blog and um yeah i mean really anything like the products all this stuff so yep it supports everything you love about the fifth trooper yep 
especially uh, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I think the other thing that we'd probably want to talk about today, housekeeping wise, is order uh, tokens. Yeah. yeah. So order tokens, uh, we got brand new designs, six new designs. We did the four factions again, different, completely different designs. Again, these are unique. Um, the likelihood of us reprinting these is slim um, to maybe none. I, I haven't really decided, but I think slim. Uh, so this may be your only chance to get these designs. So we have the four faction, new faction designs. And then we have the Notorious Scoundrels and the Fifth Trooper designs. Now those we'll probably reprint. Those are versions of the other uh, tokens that we had of those two. So we'll probably reprint those, but the faction ones are the ones that we're gonna probably rotate every every so often. So, so you know, if you haven't had a chance uh, to pre-order them, they're gonna be here next month, actually uh, in a couple of weeks. So I'm really excited about that. And then anybody who pre-ordered sidebars, uh, I don't know any day now <laughs> we're, we're, we're waiting on the boat to, uh, touch into port and then them to ship them to us. So, so I'm hoping any day now, probably got stopped in the Suez canal. It's fine. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> that is, that is like unclogged by this point, I assume. Yeah. But who knows well, it's anymore? Unclogged. I believe the ship is still there because the, they were holding it basically for a ransom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. For like a, it was a lot of money, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was like a billion dollars. Yeah. Or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no sweat. <laughs> hey, if you join our Patreon, we can get that boat out of the Suez Canal. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> all right. Is that it for housekeeping? Probably. Uh, for this week, I think, I think, yeah, I think you can expect more to come in the coming weeks, probably. Yeah, um, for sure. Awesome. But we're yeah. really, the secret project, I'm telling you. We're really excited about it. It's different than anything we've done so far and different than anything that's out there. So I, I, I'm Mike and I have been working so hard on this that we're we're getting close to the launch here and and uh, we're besides ourselves. As you can tell, we're a little punch drunk tonight because we've been working on this thing. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've been here for like, you know, four or five hours. Yeah, today, yeah. Today, and, uh, I'll be here a couple more days this week. So um, we're just kind of finalizing some touches and and if you're interested in not uh joining the patreon you know and you know somebody that is i'm yep. sure they're down for talking about it so yep. faux um, show you know we're we're, go we're going the grapevine route for now so that you all can get the word out uh you'll hear it officially from us eventually i think they call that a pyramid scheme pyramid scheme that's exactly <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> Fifth, I've been watching pyramid. I've been watching those documentaries about the fire festivals so that's really where okay. we're at yeah oh uh well it just dropped out of my head I did have one final one. <laughs> that's not the first time you oh, said oh. something about the fire festival so uh <laughs> so um I don't know when you're going to listen to this but Monday of this week uh we actually started an Instagram account as well and so with this special project, we're actually will probably be teasing stuff on the Instagram account. So uh, the fifth trooper on Instagram, however you follow that, I don't actually know how it works because I'm it's beyond my years, but I'm an old man now. I just signed us up and I'm going to start posting pictures. So God knows what's going to happen. So. Oh boy. All right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in that vein, I think you can look out for uh, social media updates across all our platforms, yeah. probably. Um, so but I just. Okay. I just really want them to follow TikTok? us on Instagram. 
I, you know, yeah, sure. Is TikTok really a social media platform? I don't know. Uh, I honestly don't know what it is. I'm gonna All be... I know is that you dance or something. So we'll get some music. Mike and I'll dance and we'll tell you about our new product. <laughs> All right. I would definitely want to see that. That's the only thing he'll see of ours. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Sorry. Sorry, Kyle. Full uh, of it today. <laughs> Yeah. Rachel made us a really nice dinner. It's like we're just it was excellent. Yeah. Uh, we had some we're full uh, and happy. Weird looking hamburgers. Um, yep. and some awesome fettuccine Alfredo. Yep. So hamburgers. Like a delicious combination. It was. It was great. Yep. All right. Well, <laughs> let's let's get to Legion. Um <laughs> so today we're gonna talk about Jedi. There, there was a there was a request um we, okay. we do have a request um i would like to just point out um in like somewhat legion news i guess the aa5 and the lat came out this week they did yes i, I have not opened mine yet um the box is enormous yeah. yeah they're they're gigantic uh jay's got two lats and an aa5 uh sitting out in various states of uh, disrepair <laughs> um, and uh it looks like there are a lot of pieces <laughs> yep <laughs> like they sure are pieces um i'm not sure i've seen a legion <clears throat> kit that quite it has even yeah you open the the lat yeah and there was what like 10 spurs yeah yeah it's it's complex and i you know the instructions are all right but like some of the pieces you're kind of like yeah i think this goes here <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> um you know i think that whole like interior exterior moving door like there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy stuff going on that i had to really focus on <laughs> yeah i'm actually i'm i'm very excited i've i've seen all kinds of crazy conversions that people are already doing with both of these vehicles there's a lot of room for memes especially <laughs> with the with the AA5, yeah. but just just in general because they're like open kits where you can put stuff inside the vehicle. I've seen lots of conversions with people taking random trooper models, other stuff. You know, I saw somebody put a gonk droid in the front seat of one of the AA5s. Um, you know, so lots of different. Uh, the best idea I've seen so far for the AA5 was somebody actually making it like. Um, like the van from dumb and dumber with the dog ears and the, oh, the yeah. furry you That's know good. yeah, yeah. I um, saw, uh as a like a helpful one if you're running the lat for clones uh the if you pull one of the figures out of the a atrt you can have him sit like on the you can have the the unit with the, you know you gotta get arms from from regular clone trooper but you can have him sit like on the edge of like he's like in vietnam or something yeah <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah. Just hanging, hanging off the edge of like yeah. a Huey. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty cool. I saw a couple pictures like that on Facebook today. So, um, you know, Legion is still happening, you know, uh, <laughs> yep. which is pretty, pretty awesome. Um, you know, we're, we are starting to have in-person events, but releases are still happening too, you know. So uh, enjoy your yeah. hats and AA5s, everybody. I keep I, posting those ridiculous paint jobs. Um, yeah. I saw one lap that was like, it was like photorealistic. I'm like, how is this? painted <laughs> ridiculous oh yeah i think i saw that one too that was yeah. like, and it was like 
a day after I got mine. I'm like, yeah. what? how did they do that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> People are incredible. Uh, yeah. uh, speaking of painting, thanks everybody for your B2 suggestions. I did um, end up going with just like a little shoulder thingy. It was um, out disappointed. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Such a shame. <laughs> so <laughs> the primary reason for that is because uh it's easier to not do that <laughs> sure. well clearly if um, everybody took the easy way out where would we be yeah in this life? no yeah. i mean the, the models have to be based for atlantic city which is in what three weeks oh um, and, sure <laughs> and uh you know ideally like if you do that properly you want to stick the heads in the basing material mm -hmm. when you base them so i'd need to be doing it like now um and I still have other stuff to paint for Atlantic City. So, um, yeah. I guess I'll have to give my clone heads to somebody else more discreetly. I'll yeah. do it. I got a whole bunch of droids I haven't painted. They're still on sprues. So, there you go. I don't own a single B2. So, oh, no. which is probably bad. Yeah. But I'd show you the model on the webcam, but you're probably going to tell me it's unpainted. So, yeah. Just <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we so the request we had for a topic was for Mike to rant about why Jedi are bad. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's definitely paraphrased. <laughs> um, it wasn't exactly, hey Mike, can you talk about why Jedi are bad? But um, but that's what we're turning it into. <laughs> but, but I think that we can probably turn this into a constructive discussion by just talking about Jedi generically, and I can during that discussion tell you yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> all right so so we did actually at one point promise a how to use jedi and sith episode yep um, yeah so we're gonna do that yeah this is one. it this is yep. it this is that episode yeah and then uh part two which will be next week yep it's going to be people seem to like how we basically went through and did the hot take ranking of the various imperial commanders so we're going to do that but with all the jedi the force users yeah, okay. and well, for you it'll be a week apart, but for us, it will be back to back. <laughs> yes. So, so if you tune in next week and see that Jay and Mike mm -hmm. are sitting in the same spot, wearing the mm -hmm. same clothes, um, mm -hmm. it's just because we recorded back to back, not because mm -hmm. they wear the same thing every day. And yeah. if you really like our attitudes and antics from this episode, I can guarantee it's going to continue through yeah. the next one. <laughs> yes, because will it say... will be even later than it is now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. Um, I, it's also, I think, a little bit easier to do it in person. You know, there's a little bit more, you mm. know. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> I know. I, I'm missing out. <laughs> yep. Um, Zoom is Zoom is not quite as uh, as fun, but it is. Yeah, well. It's okay. You're going to Atlantic City and I'm not, so. Yeah. I'm going to talk you into that. Maybe it's not me that we really have to talk into it. I have to talk some other people into okay, that's making fair. sure that's okay. It's it's yep. less of a me deal than a other people I, deal. That is totally understood. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Let's talk about. So I want to like sort of structure this. Sure. Um, so why don't we do? Let's sort of go through a progression here. What sort of what sort of list should you construct around a force user? Part one. Okay. Um, part two. What sort of battle cards should you take? And then part three. How do you actually use them once they're on the table? Um, if All you right. want to disperse your why Jedi are bad throughout those, uh, please do. <laughs> I, th I think I think it's probably best in part three. Why? Okay. How to use Jedi on the table? <laughs> 
You don't. Uh, <laughs> Here we uh, go. Buckle up, everyone. Buckle up. All right. We're going for a ride. Uh, all right. So, what was your first point? I don't know. All right. So, every faction oh, oh, has building a has, list around them has access to at least two force users. Is that right? Every faction has two. I mean, if you count Luke Skywalker and operative Luke Skywalker as two, then I yeah. think that that's correct. Yeah. Um. So. How do you? But the list structure is generally the same across the factions. So how do you build a list around a force user? Yeah, I mean, I think um, at least traditionally up until this point, uh, I, and I think that there are a couple different ways you can do this nowadays. Um, it, it's really, it's really just a gun line, frankly. You know, um, Jedi require an activation count that is high, or at least average in order to function properly due to them being a very timing sensitive unit on the tabletop right so you need to be able to perform like in every list that you have a jedi you have to be able to confidently perform a last first or at least be able to have that in your tool bag um you need you need that force user to go exactly when you want them to go yeah yeah pretty much every turn and i would say I mean, honestly, listening to, to Mike's points, like my head, where my head was at before we started this, and uh, you kind of confirmed it is they're very similar to vehicles. It's the same kind of like thought process when you're putting a vehicle uh, on the Empire side. I'm going to speak from that side, but on, on the Empire side, it's the same thought process like, okay, I need it to be high activation count. I need it to go last. I need, you know, like all these are kind of these heavy point feature pieces, right? Or all operate the same. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, Kyle, I think you would call this a focus piece in one of your list building articles, yeah. right? Like anytime you have a Jedi in your army, it is the focus piece. Yeah, like just, just hands down. You may have some other units that can like masquerade as mm-hmm. a focus piece. Like maybe you have a set of Wookiees or, you know, you have a B2 unit mm-hmm. or something in there. But at the end of the day, the focus piece in that list is Count Dooku or Luke Skywalker or right. whatever. Well, and to that, those other, if you're going to have, we'll put it in quotes, right? Focus, other focus pieces outside the Jedi, they should be there to support that Jedi or, or to take heat off of them or to like, it's always around like how they're going to support the, the force user while they're on the table. Yeah. I mean, often that's simply by like shooting things and or doing objectives, which is, yeah. you know, Mike used the term gun line. At least what that means in this context is you just you want a bunch of timing neutral units that are relatively simple to use. I think um, timing neutral is the big key there. Yeah. Right? Like it, at the end of the day, I mean, Jay, to your point about it being like a vehicle, like you have to have an order on the Jedi. And like, that's just that's a non option. Um, and you know, I, I know that people hear me beat up Anakin a lot because of his flaw and stuff, but the reason his flaw is bad is because you don't get to put an order on your yeah. focus piece, right? So, um, you know, any turn that you don't have an order on a Jedi is just, you're playing with fire. Yep. Yeah, so timing neutral units generally are like core units, basically most core units with the exception of probably fleets and snows. Mm-hmm and the sniper strike teams yep um in any list with the force users you should be sort of probably go into that well first 
and then kind of building out from there. Other stuff that's that's good in focus piece units are like um, the generic commanders because they're pretty timing neutral. You think there's other stuff like um, I would say th this is probably a bad example, but it's the only one that's popping in my head right now. Sometimes e webs can be timing neutral. Sometimes it depends. It depends on how you deploy them, and it, but um, I like having e webs because they're cheap. <laughs> and they definitely bump your activation count right yeah. i think the units similar to like the rebel like rotary atrt comes to mind as far mm -hmm. as like fairly fairly timing neutral like can kind of like take a shot or two and not have an order token on it and you kind of get away with it hmm. um i feel like there aren't a lot of units like that in the game that that aren't either like just mainline core units or strike teams you know yeah yeah there's not very many and and generic commanders yeah yeah or support commanders however you want to like leia is timing neutral relatively um so is veers totally um yeah uh i think i think there are a couple of exceptions to that notably if you're running like a like a rebel melee skew if you're doing like luke with a bunch of wookies or Luke with Tauntauns. You know, that was a super popular list in the Tauntaun meta. It was Commander Luke with three Tauntauns. I think that's like the one exception to that. You know, if you want to do like Vader Dubacks, that would also be pretty similar. But aren't you, but you're kind of, you're, you're adding like with the Tauntauns, for example, you're adding HQ uplink though, right? To, to get, yes. to get them at their orders in that in that example yeah but like for instance on the wookie version like you definitely don't have orders on your wookies right. a lot of turns right? yeah you're, you're playing with fire a little bit you are and it's just it's kind of all in on just like beating you up as fast as possible yeah i don't really consider that list to be like a traditional force user list oh um, no it's definitely not that yeah <laughs> if, if you're if you're like just starting and you're like i want to play force user but i don't know how to do it um don't do that <laughs> do like a more traditional uh, like i don't know i actually think that that list um might actually be the easy i don't want to i think it might be the easiest force user list to play because it's just it is very obvious what you have to do um you just run across the table and kill your opponent as fast as possible i think as far as force users go traditional force user play i think is a lot more complicated than how that list generally operates i agree and my concern there is that you kind of like learn the wrong way to play a force user that's fair that makes I, sense yeah if, if we're talking from like purely like learning how to play a force user yeah. perspective yeah that's probably not a great place to start but if you're just looking to win <laughs> um yeah. you know that's uh, i think uh it plays very differently but it's probably the easiest force user list to play, I think. So, so and I guess what we're saying is, is that in that list, you're, you want to be super aggressive, but most 95% of the time with force users, you're, you're looking to be more like moving in the shadows to get into position of where you want to be before you strike. Yeah, force users are, I mean, we use, we use the term control piece a lot, but that's essentially what a force user is, right? Is they they excel at controlling a small area of the battlefield around them. Um, so you want to create a situation where a small area of the battlefield is important. And that, I guess, we can transition to battle cards.
<laughs> yeah. Um, Look what I did there. Uh, that was a great transition, yeah. guys. Props I know, right? Um, we did it, boys. <laughs> yeah, battle cards. I, I, I don't think they've changed much, really, um, for force users in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I think you you want sabotage, you want intercept. Yep. Uh, you want KP. Yep. And you probably want payload. Uh, so I'll s- slight disagree. I think you want recover over um, KP or intercepts. Most mm-hmm. force users are good at recover for various reasons. Um, the jumping ones are good at recover because they can get to that uh, box, mid box, pretty fast. A lot of them have, like Maul, for example, have infiltrate, which gets you even closer. Um, Maul, Maul is definitely uniquely like if Maul, if you're playing Maul, you definitely want recover over one of those things for sure. Right. I mean, chances are if you have a, a jumping force user, you have more mobility than your opponent, unless they're running like man, a Mandalorian, basically. Yeah. I mean, I I specifically don't run recover unless I'm playing a Mando. Uh, yeah. Just because I've been i've been uh kind of burnt on that too many times to, to, <laughs> no and i feel know. that um um and the non-jumping force users specifically dooku and palpatine clearly can't get to that box as quickly but they also have means to basically guarantee winning priority which is really important on recover um between dooku's cunning and then um uh give into your anger so and I also, uh, for similar reasons, I also think you want hostage in there. Um, because in hostage exchange, the objective is a trooper unit and force users excel at moving trooper units around. So, Yeah, I think it definitely depends. Um, hostage, I don't know. There was that one game where I, uh, I played two Jedi and really, really made... Yes, I'm very aware of that. Oh, oh, are, you? are you? Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Um, and, uh, but uh, I don't know. I think that that can sometimes go sideways pretty quickly. It can, uh, simply because there are situations where, like, you feel like you have to do something with your Force user early in a turn. And then they get withdrawn from and, and they die. Yeah. Um, which you always have to be careful about trying to avoid. Um, I, you know, I think I'm going to agree and disagree, Kyle. I think recover is good for two factions and I think not good for two factions. So I think it's good for, I, I think it's good for, for CIS and rebels based on their force users i don't i would never take recover with a vader list no definitely not vader and and would really think about it with a palpatine list i'd take it with palpatine pull the strings is good for recover giving your anger is great for recover yeah Um, but do you have for pull the strings do you have support along that palpatine list that could handle a recover like that yeah you pick it up with your guard yeah i can see that um you know i I definitely think you're the crux of this i think regardless of what your poison is is don't take bomb bombing run don't oh yeah yeah Yeah. both of those shouldn't be nowhere close to your list um are we forgetting one or is that all of them i think it's all of them um you know i think 
as far as like non-objective related yeah that's cards all. <laughs> i i think you want limited visibility in all of your decks these days um yes you know just because it's so good uh, mm-hmm. i don't i don't hate fortified positions specifically with jumping force users um supply drop because there's back to capsules in there mm-hmm. uh, and, and and the dodge thing the field scanner yeah that's um, yeah you know those those are really great for jedi mm-hmm. um Uh, off the top of my head, nothing else is really popping out as far as condition cards to take. Deployments. Uh, um, oh, that's a, that's a real depends. Yeah, I think it, I think it is a real <laughs> depends. I I think any close deployment I think is more often better, unless you're playing like Vader or Maul. In which case, I think you want to take advantage of their infiltrate. And Kyle, I think your and I, our opinions are going to differ on this a little bit. I think so too, because <laughs> you play force users. Well, you play everything a little bit differently than me. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, as you know, I'm a very conservative. I prefer to play with the exception of Jedi League when I'm running R2. Um, almost without exception, I prefer to go short edge to short edge with force users. Um, because it's going to take time for your force user to get there involved anyway. And short edge to short edge, I find uh, there's more favorable line of sight blockers in that direction. Um, and it's also like a narrower engagement range. So it's harder to flank your force user. And it's also like harder to run away from them, right? Because your force user is going, you know, like along a, a narrow, it's basically like you're fighting in a hallway right instead of um in like a field is how i think of it yeah and it's it's harder to avoid a force user in that context yeah i think i think it really depends on the table is yeah jay was saying it kind of depends on like um because like the hallway thing can really backfire um sometimes right like oh if you're on an open table you're screwed anyway yeah Yeah. but i think generally (laughs) speaking like if you're going if you're sitting on a long table edge right like we're sitting at like a legion board basically right now like six feet to work with as far as like where your line of sight blocker is as opposed to three feet can can be a big difference sometimes um yeah and i think it's also dependent on the faction you're playing too and, and i mean there's so many factors to it right because i get what you're saying kyle but like I'm putting in my head, I'm like, yeah, but if I'm playing, let's say Vader against Rebels, I kind of want to get close to them as soon as possible and just start killing them. Yeah. Um, Also, I think, I think you can kind of turn the the flanking thing on its head, right? Like if you're, if your force users out on a wing and collapses one of their flanks, you can't really do that in the, on like a narrow table, right? Like on a narrow, because like everything is in the same place. Whereas like, if you're playing like battle lines, you can sort of maybe like chop off a core unit on the end. Potentially. I just think it's more important to prevent your force user from getting flanked than to potentially create a situation where you're isolating a unit on a flank with your force user. But the other so, thing too is go ahead. it's just R2. Um, you know, we talked about the objectives and about how you want to create a situation where you're fighting over a small area. 
if you're going long edge to long edge and your opponent has R2 and you don't, you've basically just lost control of the area that you're fighting over because you're essentially fighting over wherever the objective is and then you also have to fight over wherever R2 is and your opponent mm -hmm. gets to pick where that second area is. Um, so it's it's much harder to do that going short edge to short edge because that's a narrow, much narrower corridor and a much longer distance for R2 to go. Um, so that's why I say, like, unless I'm running Jedi Luke with R2, or I guess, you know, Obi-Wan with R2. Um, sure. That's why I prefer, that's the other reason I prefer shortage to shortage. Notice, everyone, that he did not include the example of Anakin in R2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so well, then I you did, have to run Anakin. Yeah, I know. Uh, so <laughs> I did want to kind of follow up on you. You were talking about Jedi being flanked. Um, do, do you really feel like it's it's like possible most of the time to make it so that Jedi can't be flanked with silhouettes the way they are? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 1-0 <-oh>, Mike. <laughs> Please go ahead. <laughs> it's definitely possible. It's much more difficult than it used to be. Hmm. Uh, the silhouettes, almost without exception, create more area, particularly like above the shoulders. Like imagine that all your models are suddenly wearing like giant pointy shoulder pads that go out like this. Mm -hmm. That's basically what a silhouette does. Um, and it's much easier to flank a silhouette than it is to flank a miniature. Usually. Um, I think like, I think you could argue that even Commander Luke's area increases with the silhouette, even though that lightsaber is thickening up. You know, if you found something tall enough, you could still like push him right up against it. Um, and generally speaking, your opponent would have to go farther around the outside to hit him. Um, I definitely think force users took a big value hit with silhouettes because of how much easier it is to, you know, like you used to be able to kind of bury them behind a line of sight blocker aggressively yeah. towards your opponent's lines. That's much harder to do to do now because your opponent can just do like a cohesion swing around and shoot them. So yeah, and they don't have to go half as far as they used to. Because you can yeah. kind of get the corner of that silhouette. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely it makes it makes like extra wide cohesions uh as a just something in your toolbox that you should be using, I think, more often now. Um Yeah, and that's another reason that you need to kind of that I like to back up my force users with like gun lines, is because if your opponent does that, in theory they're they should be doing like a forward cohesion to do that. And you need to be in a position where you can punish that if they're taking yeah. shots on your force user like that. Yeah, and I would say too, like the other thing you run into with silhouettes where <clears throat> like especially on some of these boards where you have like multiple pieces that are connecting together, you used to be able to hide a single unit like that in between there and you couldn't see it where now it's like you have a little crack or something and you, you know, you see like the top edge of the silhouette or like one of the sides and you're just like Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess, I guess you can shoot him now. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's another. Like, please talk about terrain before. Yeah, and yeah. There's yeah. tiny little cracks in the terrain. Hopefully, your opponent will agree that those are like, you know, not shootable through. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah. What do you guys think the hem did for for force users and blue being blue player? I mean, I, I would. I think generally speaking, I, I would see that as a good situation. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. I, lo- I love it. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about it, like from a, again, you go from the experience you have, right. And I'm going from like a heavy, like an ATST, like I like time to with the ATST cause it's like, no, this is fine. I'm just going to sit here and, and kill stuff. Right. And so I, I kind of like it. I mean, it, it's kind of the best of both worlds because it's, it's fairly common for a red player to concentrate most of their force in one of the red zones. And then, you know, as blue, you're essentially like starting in the middle of the table. Yeah. So you're basically creating a three by three and you're fighting over a three by three. Right. And um, so not only are you like getting sort of the narrow uh, attack corridor mm-hmm. that you would get going long edge to long edge, but you also start much closer to your opponent than you would on like long march. Yeah. So for me, Hemden is like the perfect force user deployment because you you get to start close and you get to probably fight over a small area so all right kyle all right all right kyle kyle okay if you had to rank your battlefield like what are your what are your four battlefields in order or deployments sorry what are your four deployments in order hemmed in being number one the four that i would take with a force user yeah and what you Um, would want to like ideally in order what you would want to see hemmed in um roll out long march major offensive unless i'm running r2 and then it's hemmed in danger close disarray battle lines yeah i don't know i uh i i agree I, I have a hard time agreeing with long march and, and roll out just because if, if I'm on the opposite t- side of the table, I'm happy that your force user is range six away from me at the start of the game. Um, personally, that's just yeah. like how I feel about it. Um, yeah. I, I get yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, one thing. Go ahead, Kyle. So yeah. another thing that's important for a force user is not just hitting your opponent quickly but hitting your opponent at the same time as the rest of your stuff. And I find that that's also easier to do when you're going long edge to long edge. But I think that that's very fair. Particularly, I think, you know, you're coming at this a little bit from a droid perspective. Oh, no question. You know, right? <laughs> yeah. which, which I do think informs some of the, yeah. the conversation we're having right now. Um, I will, I will say, yeah. So like uh, long March is, is an interesting one. Cause it, it can go either way. Like, you know, like what Mike's saying, oh, you're range six. Great. Yeah. Just walk into my gun line. Yeah. But at the same time, too, I found that when playing both because I've played Vader and Luke and when playing either one of them, even even with Vader speed one, but people like underestimate how fast. And how quick you can actually get into the danger zone. Yeah, you know, with with a forced user, and they kind of underestimate that they're like, "Oh, I'm on log march. I can move up a little bit and be fine and be here and here." And then next thing they know, like turn two, you're like, "Oh no, I'm gonna force pull you, and and I'm gonna do this," and you know, and they're like, "Whoa!" So I think there's it goes either way. I think. Yeah, I mean, I would probably not run long march with Vader. See, um, it's funny because I actually like of all of the force users that I'm thinking of Vader's like the one I would run on long March. Um, <laughs> it's strictly because um, Vader has a very difficult time with relocating once he gets someplace. 
and and long march kind of makes it so that like once you're there you're there <laughs> you know you don't have to like like operative luke can kind of like you know if if he's fighting in one intercept zone he can kind of move over to another and deal with it if mm-hmm. you know something happens but uh vader doesn't really have that luxury <laughs> yeah he can't reposition no yeah no. Um, um well yeah i mean that's a good point about long march <laughs> basically like he wants to be fighting in a hallway right right yeah yeah which you know um but yeah i feel like as your speed and jump goes up <laughs> flexibility on that uh increases pretty substantially it does side tangent do you think we could ever see a competitive board that has a hallway system like that that where you could where you could like fleets and and jedi and and or force users could become more a competitive board yeah no. absolutely not yeah for for a variety of reasons the maybe most glaring one is that you could never use a vehicle mm. yeah all right That's yeah but fair. also with that short of sight lines that would be like the um you know, that'd be like the opposite end of the spectrum of playing on an open table. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool. Which is, which is more common, but equally as bad, honestly. Yeah, yeah just a question. Um, I, yeah. I mean, like, I think for narrative play, like, go for it. You yeah. Know? Um, if you want to reenact Vader's hallway scene, I'm, I'm all for that, you know? Um, or I guess I think we're at this point, Luke's hallway scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, I think either, either of them would be more than fine. Um, cool. So does that kind of cover it for cards? I think. Yeah. I, I think, think we can, yeah. we can hit like how, I mean, we've sort of already hit some of this, but how to actually use the force user. Yeah so delicately delicately is definitely (laughs) i think a a reasonable way to describe it um five out of the six turns every game and sometimes six out of six turns at least when you're starting out your force user should be the thing that you activate last in a turn i think that that's like a really good hard and fast rule that you should like really try to not break if at all possible. Um, and if you feel like at any point you have to break that rule, chances are you screwed up and you should consider why. It, it means they're exposed basically. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you want to avoid your force user getting exposed. Um because like it's it's not weird it used to be weird but it's now not weird for a force user to die in as little as like two shots yeah that's the thing that can happen or even one with like a fives fire support um yeah i i feel like uh and mike can probably agree with this as as guys who have played vader for a long time that always just seemed to be the case (laughs) Like Vader seems like he's he's you're like eight oh eight and red dice I'm gonna be fine and the next thing you know like it's just over yeah part of that though too is like if if you make a if you go first with your force user and you know you either kill the unit that you engage with or they withdraw or something yeah like that's not two shots that's like nine shots <laughs> it's, it's it's all of them anytime. Right. Anytime your force user is out in an exposed position um, for like more than one activation, 
you're really playing with fire, I think. And even, you know, I, back in the day, and one of the reasons I think we actually have silhouettes is because Luke's holding his lightsaber up in the air like a like a champ, right? And people used to shoot it. Mm-hmm. And it matters when, you know, you take a sniper shot to like Luke or Vader or whatever, and you roll a die and 50% of the time you take a wound, right? Yeah. And um, wounds on Jedi are very precious. You can't really, like once you're down to like three you're done taking any chances. Um, and the fact of the matter is that, and this is kind of why I brought up the silhouettes conversation earlier, is that you want to have your Jedi buried at all times. Like if, if your opponent can see your Jedi silhouette and effectively hit it because they're at range, you're in trouble. Yep. So by buried, you mean either behind the line of sight blocker or in melee with a unit that has already activated. Correct. You need to be basically, if they can see your Jedi silhouette, it better be because they are not an eligible target to be shot at because they are touching, they're in melee with a unit that is already activated. Um, And so going back to like always activating last, this sets it up so that you always know your Jedi is safe, right? You, you have full information at all times to know what your opponent can yeah. and cannot do to attack your Jedi. If you go earlier in the turn and put your Jedi in a place that seems safe, your, your opponent can then move, cohere weirdly, and potentially take a shot that you didn't see because it was difficult to tell on the table. Whereas if you still have a face-up order token and they try to do that, if they do that and are successful at it, you at least know where is and is not safe. And for this follow-up shot that is inevitably going to be taken by the next unit that goes on their side, you can readjust your position. And this is hard to do because Jedi have laser swords and it's really fun to cut things with laser swords. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. Well, and they they have all, and, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna probably d- dive deeper into this in part two. But like, they also have all these special abilities and keywords and stuff that make you in your mind be like, "I'll be fine. I I've got this and this and this." I'm like, I well, I, you know, I'm gonna get a dodge token and I'm gonna do this. And you're, it, it's they're almost like designed to, to like trick you into making bad decisions. <laughs> like we call it the loot rage. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is why I lost the world's final. Right? Like <laughs> one of, one of probably a couple of reasons, but like I charged in there with Luke. I'm like, Oh, there's only a couple of things left to activate. I've got a dodge token. He'll be fine. Um, spoiler alert. He wasn't <laughs> Yeah, yeah. literally anytime that thought goes through your head of, oh, there's a couple things that could get me, but I'll be fine. You should listen to that and then do the opposite. Yeah. Like every time. Um, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, a hard, the- it's hard to fight. A little it bit. is. You got it. You really have to take like the, you know, the forces for knowledge and defense, Obi-Wan Kenobi approach and just really like restrain yourself because yeah. Don't get me wrong. There are times when it is good and necessary to murder things with your lightsaber, but you have to really assess how your Jedi is going to be exposed after you do that. Yeah. Yeah, They're almost like 
<laughs> it's weird like because in all the media that we consume right they're like to to use D references they're like the paladin right they're out there like tanking and like taking out hundreds of guys but really they're more like a thief <laughs> like you gotta keep they're, them they're they're much more like a rogue yeah. yeah yeah like you gotta keep them in the shadows sneak up behind things they're, and they're you like know. a rogue spell sword yeah know? yeah um yeah i agree i you know you, you really just need to have full information at all times and i think what it comes down to is that eventually you'll either find an opening so so inevitably in every game and, and maybe i'm jumping a little bit ahead here um is you will find that there's going to be a window where you've either like navigated the game very well with the rest of your list so that your jedi can just sit there in their bubble that's protected and not worry about doing something aggressive because they you're the rest of your list has operated properly and you played a good game or you need to make up some lost ground which inevitably ends with your jedi crossing an open field for (laughs) (laughs) multiple activations and they kind of have to put the game on their back you know um and i think a lot of the time we can get deceived when we see a Jedi do that and do it successfully and be like, Oh, they can do this all the time. Right. And the fact of the matter is that that's just not something that that should be a last resort emergency press here button only as opposed to uh, this is how this unit operates. Yeah. I mean, you want to force your opponent to have to come into your Jedi's threat range. You don't want to. You don't want to be in a situation where you have to force your force users into your opponent's army when they're on the opposite side of the table. Um, which is why, when we talk about battle cards, we talk about creating situations where you're fighting over a small area, and then getting your Jedi or your Sith, whatever, to that small area and sitting there, basically. And that's yeah. why line of sight blockers are super important for that. Well, and I guess for those people that that have never played a force user, I know we've all seen it where in one game you could see Vader take a full ATST shot or a full, you know, like he could take like nine to twelve shots, block them all, and just be fine. And then the very the very next game, he can literally die. <laughs> like the same, you could line up the same thing, and it's just a 50-50. And I think anytime to mike's point you're saying yeah i got a 50 50 i'm making this you, you stop just stop what you're doing and, and figure out what if you can get closer to 100 percent of making it right like yeah. whatever a different move is 50 50 is not good odds i just want to be real clear no. about that like when you're talking about yeah. defensive saves like on jedi like 50 50 doesn't go your way <laughs> like <laughs> the stormtrooper yet yeah. Right, right. It, it's it is no more durable than a stormtrooper unit. Yeah. So yeah. like, um, when you put it in that context, you're, all of a sudden you kind of take a step back and you're like, "Hey, hey." Yeah. Like, even like a phase two clone unit that's like you know, three up all the time, like, still eventually dies because it fails saves. You know. Um, yeah, you still fail saves 
33% of the time, which is a lot. <laughs> right, but which I would again like to say are not good odds when you're talking about <laughs> your 200 point piece that yeah. if it dies, you lose the game. Um, yeah. So that's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. I also think that like when we're talking about Jedi and what they can and cannot do and what they can or maybe should and shouldn't do, it's really important to understand the measurements and ranges that are involved and what what they can do so let's for a second you know uh you are operating on the jedi always go last um you know train of thought that i i might maybe call it the kyle dornbos school of thought uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um so if your Jedi is operating at the end of the turn after everything has gone, their threat range is basically, it's a little shorter than range two, but they can, their, their safe range is a little bit more than that. It's basically speed two plus a f- speed one move because they can force push something into them. Range two plus a speed one move. Yeah. Is that, what yeah. I, is that not what I said? You said speed two. Yeah. Oh yeah, my bad. Yeah, sorry. So range two plus a speed one move. Um, so because and if you've gotten this far, we haven't actually talked about force upgrades yet. I'm sure we'll talk about them at some point. <laughs> um, but the mandatory one on every force user other than Palpatine is force push. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you should kind of, uh, I think in every game, think of your Jedi is just force push on a stick, and anything else you get out of it. It's kind of just bonus. Which force position is amazing. So that's not like. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Yeah. Just, right. <laughs> uh, definitely worth 160 points. Um, but, but force push increases the range in which you can make yourself safe at the end of a turn by bear. So normally you would move, move. Maybe you would chart, you know, get a free attack off charge or relentless mm-hmm. or whatever your Jedi has. It's cool and super and awesome. And then you got a speed one move from force push to bury them in another unit, which is incredibly important. I think when we're talking about how to play a force user properly. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to go with them last. If like, if your opponent moves a unit within that area, within that, roughly six it's little it's like 15 inches basically um you can go with your force user pretty much as soon as that happens like if your opponent does that on the first activation of the turn go for it right your force user in there and bury him you know make sure you cohere those dudes around him because you do get to do the cohesion when you do force push make sure you cohere him such that you can't get like meleeed on that same turn yeah um but uh, you don't always have to go last. If um, now, if you're playing against somebody good, they're probably they're not, not going to make that, that mistake, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, unless they don't have a choice, like if they need it to interact with an objective or something like that. Um, but yeah, you can you can go with them as soon as it's basically you're in a situation where you can safely bury them in an in an activated unit. The ideal situation is you can like attack something else that hasn't activated and then bury yourself in an activated unit. Sometimes that happens. It's a little more doable if you have like a unit that has relentless and saber throw. Um, yeah, it generally also happens a little bit more once like your 
force user has like engaged the enemy yeah it, it tends to happen a little bit more frequently because everything's kind of going and it turns into a big yeah. flurry of lightsaber <laughs> blades at that point yeah you know the reason i think that, the, that this specifically is so important is because often the the difference between a good jedi and a bad jedi is the dot the you know diving in whatever that looks like you know um and you can either do it really well or you can do it really badly and there's really no in between um there's not yeah (laughs) there's uh, also no experience level at which you're immune to doing that by the way oh absolutely (laughs) absolutely i mean like i think you know not to continue bringing up me and kyle's games but uh, but here we go the last game we played i think was a good showcase of like like i knew what mall mall threat range is speed two plus uh, speed one move right and i just i didn't enter it like ever and kyle just kind of had to I don't know, you know, I and I eventually worked around so that I could I flanked the Jedi yeah. silhouette. But like if you're playing against a good opponent that knows how to deal with the Jedi, and this is kind of segue and I guess into why I think Jedi are bad. Good. Um, oh good. You know, yeah, <laughs> we made it. We're getting there. Um, is that if your opponent is able to basically stay at range three at all times, there's really never an opening. Yeah, and that's why the objectives are so important and where you need to set up a situation where your opponent, if they want to do that, they basically can't win because they can't interact with the objectives. Mm, right. Um, and at least in our game, you actually did do that once uh, to interact with your evaporator, but you, you were able to do like a last first to do that such that I never actually had activated Maul when that situation was in existence. Basically, I, um, I forced a situation where you would like have to activate with Maul first yeah right and then leave him in a super exposed position right um although with maul specifically there is a tool that he has that makes that less of a problem for him and that's because he can move move do the force push thing and then take a standby yes he is very unique in that situation so that so that if he melees a unit that has not activated yet once they activate and then withdrawal he just spends his standby to re-engage him and you're yeah. fine he, he's um, the only unit that can do he's that. literally the just only one that can do that yeah. yeah so crazy yeah and i would say before you get to the some more of the negatives uh for new new newer players if you're listening to this when they're talking about engaging they don't necessarily mean attacking yeah <laughs> like, that's, a, that's a big that's a big point like yes the, the majority of the time that you actually dive with a force user it's generally it's wrong to eliminate the unit you're diving into yeah whether that means you don't attack or you like don't use all your peers um you know or you just like move move force push something into you and give up the free attack because you couldn't base something without force pushing it into you like those are all reasonable ways to get into it your objective on the dive is not to kill something it's just to basically protect yourself, yourself in the enemy yep. army so that you're safe. Yeah, I mean it's like you're what you're doing is you're setting up for moves in like three moves ahead, right? And you're just trying to get into a position of power at that point where you can kind of control a little bit more of your space. And I can't, you know, I, I love that like 
okay, attack, but maybe don't spend all your pierce. Like, I don't think people really realize that they don't have to do that, right? Pierce is like, optional. Pierce is optional. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a huge one. Also, you're playing a little bit with fire. You are. Depending on what you're Anytime attacking. you're attacking, yeah, you depending on how many unit or minis there are, but like, um, or wounds, but like, yeah, I just, that's something I always tell people. I'm like, yeah, uh, I wouldn't attack there. Like, just let that ride because. <laughs> You know, like, again, if you're playing the 50-50, like, I don't know, I might kill him or I might not. Just don't. Just don't play that game. Well, and I guess to explain a little bit more why that's important is that if you kill that unit, you now start the turn exposed. Yeah. And and you want to be going, preferably, as late in the chain as you can um, or until you can embed your unit into something else. But, like, at the start of the next turn, you can neither bury your unit safely <laughs> or be safe, right? So you all of a sudden start the turn in a predicament. Um, yeah, now there are a couple. So let's talk about the situations where you actually do want to go first with your force user and kill something because okay. those do exist. Yep, yep. Um, if doing so basically wins you an objective, you want to do that. Um, there are a couple of cards, command cards specifically, where you can do like so much damage with that first hit that it's justified and now you will die is like the token one right yeah for sure, for sure um where you can literally just kill half your opponent's army with palpatine uh <laughs> before they get to do something um some lesser versions of that same effect are son of skywalker and um uh fear surprise intimidation for dooku um with those latter two in particular you want to make sure that the rest of your army can kind of follow up and like also attack on that same turn yep. because you know son of skywalker is great for you will delete whatever target you're in melee with like it it, it just it's like essentially especially if you're playing with jedi luke it's pick a unit in range of luke and just pick it up off the table that's basically what son of skywalker is but it's also usually just one unit um yeah, so you'll you have be lucky to if you get to yeah right so you have to be kind of um you have to make sure that either that one unit that you're eliminating like you're really going to make it count like you're eliminating another focus piece you know maybe you're one shotting your opponent's AT atst or something like that um, which has happened uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i've seen that before yeah uh or you know something to that effect then yep. um you know you're making it count just with the saber swing but you also want to make it count with the rest of your units mm -hmm. because once you've done that with dooku or luke or whoever you know your jedi or sith is going to be in the middle of the opponent's army hopefully with a dodge token but exposed and your opponent is going to spend the rest of your turn shooting them so there are situations where you can sort of justify that sacrifice because they're not shooting the rest of your army. And if you're hitting all of their unactivated units with ranged attacks from the rest of your force, which hopefully is reasonably intact, you can have a situation where like, you know, you delete a unit, your opponent spends the rest of their turn shooting your force user, um, but their capability to do that degrades over the course of your turn because you're shooting their remaining units with all of your units who are doing so without reprisal, basically. Um, and there are situations where that can happen, specifically with those three cards that I just listed. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would try something like that with like Maul or um, Obi-Wan 
Well, maybe Obi-Wan, you could do that with hello there because he gets well, hello. There's the standby token is pretty helpful there. Yeah. Um, as are the possible pile of dodges that you're getting from that card. Yeah. Um, so probably you you could do that with Obi-Wan. I would I would never do that with Maul. Um I would probably not do it with Vader, although implacable potentially. Implacable is yeah. best on at the end so that you implacable is better when you can just go last twice in a row right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um maybe vaders might i mean yeah i don't know it's I, I, hard to say yeah it, yeah that one's situational i would say though like the the trap with implacable i have always found is that you're like oh i'm i'll get vader back before anything bad happens and, and yeah you you, you won't <laughs> like you just you, won't. you just take a wound and then he dies before he gets to go again. Yeah, you, yeah. you definitely want to try and do it back to back. Um, yeah, I do think that like any force user can be in the situation that you reference where like activating first can be a thing that you do. But I think you want to make sure well, that it like wins you the game when you. It, do it. If it doesn't win you the game, it's wrong. Yeah, it's basically the how how that pans out and like. It has to win you the game like 100% of the time, just to be clear. Like, if it wins you the game like 85% of the time, you probably still don't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, it, well, I mean, okay. So, like, that's kind of, I would say, the down, some of the downfall of Jedi is that, like, a lot of decisions you make, you almost, like, I find in Legion that sometimes you can make decisions and there's some forgiveness in the game, you know, because of the way dice work. But with Jedi, you you almost have to be certain of what you're doing and or force users, you have to be certain of what you're doing and know what you're going to do next and like two moves ahead because otherwise you're going to get punished so hard. And so that's the downside is you I some some lists are different, but like a lot of lists with legion i i feel like you can kind of make some like small mistakes and you get punished but not very hard but like jetta uh, force users it's like you make a small mistake it it seems to compound way faster than than any other legion unit i mean would you ever take a stormtrooper unit and put it at range one of everything in your opponent's army and expect it to live <laughs> no <laughs> i mean no <laughs> the, the answer is no right? right like and and we've already gone over like jedi are not more hardy than a stormtrooper unit really yeah. right like that's all they are you know if they have a dodge token they can get deflect for like an attack an attack or two but you know um at, at its core like if you stuck a stormtrooper out like in front of your whole army and <laughs> it was range one of everything that they had like yeah, so you ridiculous. would expect that unit to die yeah yeah you know which which is why jedi and sith do have lots of tools like force push they totally do to make it so that that situation doesn't right. happen right yeah but yes yes they do but i find that a lot of people that play force users even you said like veterans right like you you get a little you're like it's it's mall everything's gonna be fine it's luke He's gonna, he'll be fine, right? I've got, I've got. I, I literally did this. that in one of my Invader games this season, <laughs> like, <laughs> and I still ended up winning that game because the dice bailed me out essentially. Yeah. Um, but 
I just I like I just gifted Maul to my opponent, essentially. <laughs> um, not our game; it was the a different yeah, no. clone match. Um, though, though you you gifted me Maul in our game too by running him away. Uh, <laughs> not sure how much of a choice I had. I but. don't. Well, that's the thing, and I actually kind of like. So we've talked about how to use force users kind of in a, a little bit in a vacuum at the moment. Yeah. The, the fact of the matter is. If you're playing against a good opponent, they're going to be negotiating your force users range at range three, mm-hmm. very intentionally. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we, you know, the stick in the mud, if it were, is that they're also going to be taking standby tokens yep. on their units. So that even if you try and wait it out, that range two plus a speed one move threat range, all of a sudden has to navigate one or more standby tokens in order to to make it happen and this is where i strongly feel that if you're unable to get that standby token off you're often in a no-win scenario um in that like if they're able if they go right before you jedi they take a standby token so that basically you have to take like 10 dice to the face just to get there you've lost all your advantage yeah you know um that go ahead well and that's why taking that's why two things activation count and long range units in support of your jedi are so important yes um like like this is why sniper rifles and jedi lists are like people are like oh snipers why would you you know again why are snipers so good well stripping standbys is huge specifically Mm -hmm. in this situation yeah um One of the issues with that, though, is that since they are a timing neutral unit, you often don't have orders on yep. your snipers, right? Um, and particularly in a lot of Jedi lists, and we haven't talked about this portion of it yet, is like you're often playing standing orders to make mm-hmm. sure you go last, right? Yep. Which means the only order, unless you're playing a CIS list, in which case it's a little different, um, is the only order on the table that you have is your force user. So you know, if you draw your snipers early in turn or whatever, you're a little, you're very susceptible to, yeah. to being kind of standby out of um, making a play. Yeah. And that's, that's the weird. Yeah. Yeah. That order control with a force user, you know, outside of CIS, like, man, if you have too much diversity in your list, which normally I'm a fan of, but when you play in a force user, it's like, I can't, I gotta really not have a ton of diversity because my order control is going to be real bad here. So I, you know, it's like you want core special forces, maybe a commander and an, and your force user, whether they're a commander or operative. And that's, that's about it. That's all you want in there. I know I was saying e-webs were, they're nice in certain lists, but man, yeah. When that order control stuff comes through, you really, it really can bog down what you're trying you're trying to do for sure so kyle i guess i would as as the foremost expert on things with lightsabers (laughs) how do you navigate the no-win scenario (laughs) which so first of all i'm not sure (laughs) i'm the maybe on this cast but um the foremost expert on force users but what uh what no-win scenario are you talking about in the you for instance, and I hate to, 
I don't like actually hate it, but again, going back <laughs> to our game, right? Where mm-hmm. you basically you've got you're playing like mall B2s, right? You've got very few ways to strip standbys. Like how how are you navigating a game like that when you're playing against somebody who is like playing the anti-Jedi game properly? I mean, you have to win by zoning, basically. Um, which you were able to shut down via flanking. Yep. Because so, so what do you mean by zoning? So essentially putting your force user in a spot where if your opponent wants to do anything useful to the rest of your army or interact with the objectives, they have to move within your force user's threat range. Mm-hmm. Which in the game that Mike is referencing, Maul was in such a spot um, for a reasonable portion of the game until he was able to go wide around the side and basically force him out of that location by flanking him. Right. Now, arguably, I could have, you know, I had B2s. Um, in hindsight, I could have used those B2s to basically prevent that flank more. Uh, you could have been more aggressive. stubbornly than I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I would and could, should have done that. And that's, that's where, it, you know, supporting your force user with, with the rest of your list comes in. Um, like in that game, I think, I think I had put like Maul and two of my B2s over in that, on that one side of the table he was on. And I should have just put Maul over there and put all of my other B2s basically in that, in that other area where he was flankable to mm. prevent that. Um, yeah. You know, and that was just a situation too where I didn't even appreciate that that shot existed <laughs> based on the terrain. Hashtag talk- silhouettes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not even silhouettes. We've talked about this. We talked like for an entire episode about this game, but it was one of those stupid terrain pieces where from top down, the box is like this. And like the top box is like hanging over such that it looks like it's, you know, blocking line of sight from a certain direction, but you can actually see underneath it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so like notionally it makes like a slight L or like X shape, but it really doesn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, so you might be forced into a situation where you just have to close the gap and rely on your dodge token. Um, and sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't, but that's also terrain relevant. You know, that table we played on was an open table. It was, it was very open, which uh, however, I mean, like, I think a lot of people listening um are likely to be playing on the it was much more of like a real life table right yes like, like it was much more something that you're you're likely to see at a big tournament even yep. if there's good terrain right like right. that was that was a good real life table I, I would be satisfied if i showed up to a real life tournament and there was a table like that yeah it's just by our tts standards it was an open table for sure for sure yeah and i think you know at the end of the day the way you win the no win scenario is like you have to have pieces there to support your yep. list, right? Like the rest of the list has to be yes. able to work to support your force user and, and your force user can't do it on their own. Um, you know, whether it's snipers or whether you're aggressively moving up with B2s, you know, you can't take a force user and expect them to operate as this like insular piece of your army. Right. And that's partially why I like Mal B, that list specifically, the Mal B2s. Because your B2s kind of act as like a second hammer piece. Mm. Whereas if, you know, if Maul's soaking up all your opponent's attention, the B2s kind of just kind of walk in and be like, you know, 
Hey, <laughs> we're here. We're hey, here. Here's your party. Did you forget about us? <laughs> I got a rocket launcher, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's why I like that list specifically is because in those situations, you can kind of mitigate that a little bit. But I think this touches on one of your why force users are bad things, which is that they're very terrain dependent. Mm. And if you're showing up to an event with multiple rounds, you know, even at a good event, like we hold up LVO and Adepticon as standards for what good terrain looks like, you know, something like 20% of those tables are probably still not ideal or not good for yeah. a force user. And if you're talking about an event like that, where you have to win six or seven or eight rounds in a row, like you're going to get one of those tables at least once in an important game, um, if not multiple times. So, you know, you have to consider that when you're throwing a laser sword in your list. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I guess, you know, I'm not going to, I've decided I'm not going to go on a rant, but uh-huh. uh, <laughs> but I do think that like, Thanks. I think we've talked about force users kind of in a skilled way here. and but, uh-huh. I, but I think it's also highlighted a lot of the problems I have with it is that if you're playing a competent opponent that knows what they're doing, all of a sudden, not only do you have to basically play perfectly, yeah, you have to play the rest of your list perfectly too. You yeah. know, like like everything, the terrain's got to be right. You know, you've got to play your force user perfectly. You've got to make sure that you have the pieces that are in your army backing up your force user properly, going when they need to be going, and doing the things that they need to be doing. And uh, those are a lot of things that even like top level players sometimes can't get to align, even if they're on their a game because sometimes the dice say no or the table's not right or or whatever you know um and it's really not that difficult to play properly around those things you know i I think as far as skill caps go i think i think playing a force user is one of the hardest things you can do in this game and if you mess up you just lose like it's just over yeah it's interesting right because you're paying like almost 200 points to kind of like put yourself in a position of like hardship right for those for those games where you could spend that 200 points otherwise to make your life a little bit easier almost i I feel like we've i feel like we've shorted force users a little bit in this conversation as to the the unique things that you are paying for that they can do that no other unit can do yeah um I guess we could cover that on part two, right? When we go through them. Yeah. I mean, just briefly, you know, they can reliably do damage once they are buried in your opponent's army. Yep. Um, and once that happens, they create very awkward decisions for your opponent. A hundred percent. I mean, I, once they're buried, a lot of times you've won the game. Yeah. You basically R- just win. Like it, it's tough to lose from that. Yeah. position assuming you're you know giving warm hugs correctly and all that correct yeah, yeah yeah i mean you know again like as long as you're not making a mistake right which what's once you're in that point it's it's easier to kind of see what your decision tree needs to be yeah well um, I, I, and i don't think we were we were shorting them i think it was more of i think everybody's capable of what they can do that's the problem that you th- that those those capabilities that they have almost become a crutch and so i think the the idea of telling people like okay yes 
you have this powerful force user that has all these cool keywords and all this great you know stuff that it can do but here's what you got to do in order to make that stuff possible well so the one thing that force users are excellent at that literally no other unit can do is reposition your opponent's units um there's a myriad of uses for that force push is the primary way that happens there are other ways that that is done like scatter you know which both vader and dooku have um, force choke can be a tool for that. Cards like Dooku's three pip. I mean, there was a there was a team league game uh, last season I won where um, I had basically like just Dooku left, and it was key positions. And he single handedly removed four units from my opponent's key position on the last turn. <laughs> with uh, I played, you disappoint me, so I moved a unit with that. I moved a unit with force push. I force choked a unit leader that was on the KP and then he killed one with his lightsaber. Um, like nobody else can do that. Yep. And even, even if you have an equivalent point of point value of units that can kill things, the thing that makes force users uniquely able to like, clearly you could just shoot a unit off the KP too. Right. But then you're talking about rolling dice. Yep. Whereas you know, force push or you disappoint me or force choke is literally you just point to a model and you say this happens. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, like the fact that they can like their effects happen 100% of the time that that you have them is a huge deal, right? Like that's part of their staying power. For yeah, sure. And even lightsabers, which do involve rolling dice, usually have reliable dice and they usually have high pierce values. So if you're, yes, there are exceptions to that, clearly. Um but for the most part, like if you want to pick a unit to pick three to four models up off the table on a given turn, um, it's harder to bet better than a lightsaber. Even if those units have like, especially if those units have like red saves. Um, so. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree with that assessment. Um, it's just, I, I don't think, I'm I, my, my argument is definitely not like once they're, in their difficult to use i think it's it's getting them to the stage where all of those things are relevant i think is the problem yeah, that i right. that i find you know like but closing the gap yeah once once you're using those abilities and you're in there and you're doing so safely i think like that's where force users are super strong right like <laughs> that that's where they get good um it's just getting there is super difficult yeah it is i i mean i mean i've played really in every tournament except for season three of invader i've played a force user um and yes i'm aware that <laughs> that i did well in that season um but <laughs> i was i wasn't gonna go there but you know um, hey gal you know whatever so, so kyle exactly how many invader leagues have you won with force users zero and how many invader leagues have you won one <laughs> <laughs> and how many invader leagues have you played in with a force user uh four okay but it's not as if i've done poorly in those other four no no yeah. but you didn't win <laughs> but you didn't win but you That's, didn't uh, win yes. kyle <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's okay. true i i i didn't win either um me neither guys <laughs> <laughs> you know um yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It is, 
the primary gripe with force users is one of consistency. Yeah. I mean, they can be the most powerful thing on the table. They are the most powerful thing on the table yeah. at all times. It's just, you know, the, the amount of times that you get to swing that hammer is sometimes zero. Right. You know, and that is And not when that enough. happens, you, you just lose. Yeah. 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 I agree. So do we want to wrap part one up here and swing I, I into part so. two? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. All right. So part two will be next week. Yep. Uh, we are the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. And I'm Jay. Stay fresh, cheese bags. <laughs>